The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Columbia Academy, Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, Zion Christian Academy, Custom Stone Handlers, Covenant Technology, Coach's Corner, Fast Stop Convenience Stores, Lee Company, and Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. Specializing in orthopedic injuries, their ortho-quick walk-in service lets you bypass the ER. Visit them online at mtbj.net. to the two-tone blue covering the teams you care about it's only on southern middle tennessee sports today live from the lee company studio with the hall of famer mo Patton. here's chris yow welcome back in to southern middle tennessee sports today presented by mid-tennessee bone and joint coming to you live from the lee company studio front porch sports headquarters wkom 1017 fm 94.5 The Eagle, WZYX. Thank you guys down in Franklin County for sticking around for hour number two. We will get to your Rebels a little later as we continue high school football previews and college football previews. We will talk OVC as well later this hour. But first, from pros to preps, in that order, we start with the professional team here in Middle Tennessee. Talk a little Tennessee Titans football. And to do that, we have with us today from Broadway Sports, Mr. John Glenn. And, John, welcome in. Thanks for joining us. Sure. Thanks for having me. John, um, big topic out of Titans training camp yesterday, obviously, were Ryan Tannehill's remarks regarding the COVID-19 vaccination and that he was vaccinated and why he was vaccinated. Uh what has been the reaction around camp to his comments? Uh, you know, it, it, it's hard to say, you know, because of the, the players themselves aren't talking too much about it. But, you know, you get the sense that a number of players have changed their mind late, like Ryan Tannehill. The reason I say that, I think the numbers of vaccinations were fairly low in the, in the earlier off-season, you know, uh, in April-ish when they were going through some early workouts. Um, but now you see a number of players on the field for stretch that are still wearing masks. And uh, if they're wearing masks, uh, it could mean, you know, a few different things. Either they're not vaccinated, which is probably a small percentage of players because we know 90% are in the vaccination process. But it could also mean that they've also just gotten a first shot so far or that they have gotten two shots but are still waiting for the full antibodies to build up so as they say you're still seeing a fair amount of masks and that to me indicates that you know guys like ryan Tannehill, there there are certainly some guys who you know just recently made that decision to, to get the um the vaccination are the covid 19 protocols are, are they really as bad as he tried to make them out to be they're pretty restrictive. Yeah, they, they really are. Um, you know, and, and uh, 
you look at the field, first of all, is where we see the guys and they're they're wearing masks and kind of you know the the stretch and warm up. But really, it's it's much more restrictive. You know, first when you go to the facility, you know these these guys that that have chosen not to get vaccinated, you know, are basically eating separately from from all their teammates. Uh, you know, I think in some instances, uh, meeting separately. Uh, you know, they don't use uh, you know hot uh, hot tubs, uh, saunas, things like that that the other guys use. And then even the, these rules extend into the community and what these guys can do on their off time in terms of being around you know certain numbers of, of people and so forth. Um, so they're they're very restrictive. Uh, you know, it's it's basically. Uh, you're, you're living a pretty miserable life, uh, you know, in terms of bonding with your teammates and, and you know, and kind of even enjoying a, a full life. So as Ryan Tannehill said, the NFL is certainly trying to, uh, you know, move the players' hands and, and they're, uh, they're, they're having a lot of success. They're, uh, they're, they're doing it, uh, um, you know, as we're seeing the vaccination numbers go up pretty quickly, it's clear the NFL is, is winning this battle. Well, the Players Association doesn't seem to be putting up much of a fight, and I think that was the biggest issue for Tannehill and many others. Certainly, yeah. You, you've seen some social reaction, uh, social media reaction uh, to the NFLPA that, that it wasn't putting up enough of a fight and, and you know, wasn't giving the, the players enough of a choice uh, in that regard. You know, th- these things are all bargained out, though, so, you know, perhaps you know, in order in, in exchange for concessions here, you know, perhaps the uh, the, the players will get something uh, down the line as well. Um, but you know, I, I just you just get the, uh, the the feeling, the general feeling that this is a real push on both uh, the behalf of both the NFL and the NFLPA, and and uh, you know, both seem to feel pretty strongly about it in terms of. You know, not only for the players, but for the players, uh, the, the people that deal with the players, whether those are in the facility or whether they're, you know, family of the players as well. I, I think their feeling is that, you know, this is a uh, this is a good thing. Visiting with John Glennon of Broadway Sports, talking a little Tennessee Titans. John on the field um, happened to see a video from today's workout that that you posted of AJ Brown terrorizing some poor cornerback on a on a double move um got to be exciting to see him at work again and and julio on the other side um, at full strength by the yeah, way with that ankle yeah yeah um i mean obviously it's just july but seeing those guys in action to the extent that you can be a fan as a as a respected journalist what do you like about that tennessee titans offense yeah, I mean, you know as well as I do, Mo, that, that you know, over the years, uh, when you thought of Titans, you know, one of the last things you generally thought of was electric offense or, you know, high-scoring, uh, you know, offensive units and so forth. So last year and, and you know, what we expect of this year are, are takes a little bit of adjustment. Um, but, uh, yeah, when, when you, you're out there and, and you know, you see – Julio and A.J. Brown lining up on opposite ends of one another, and you got Derrick Henry out there, and, you know, Tannehill with the numbers he's put up since he's become starter. It is exciting, you know, just from uh, from a standpoint of a journalist. You know, you enjoy 
uh, watching talent uh, out there, and and uh, I think I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to it. But you know, yeah, like like AJ Brown, you know, I I thought that maybe it would take him a little bit of time to to work his way back to to peak form, you know, because he had the the two minor knee surgeries during the off season, and he didn't really work during OTAs. But boy. He has been uh, just outstanding, uh, you know, in, in the, the couple of days we've seen him so far in training camp. Yeah, you're, the one worry you have is that he's, he's going to break a lot of defensive back, back spirits by the time uh, the, the regular season starts. Um, you know, Julio Jones, we haven't seen him do as much in team drills yet. You know, I think they're bringing him along slowly as, as he recovers from, from injury. You know, he had a lot of hamstring problems and I think some foot problems last year as well um but certainly just in like individual drills and things you see the uh you know you, you see the the height of the, the power uh you know the speed that he has so uh as i say boy it's, it's quite a twist from many years watching this team and the uh you know when they were defensive oriented or, or when there was really no strength of the team offensive defense so uh, uh it's it's uh, it should be fun to watch this year it's funny you mention that because Justice Mosqueda, and I don't know who this guy is, apparently Matt LaFleur made a comment that when he left Tennessee, they named Arthur Smith offensive coordinator and kept a lot of the same terminology. Sounds like he was trying to take some credit for the success of the Titans offense recently, but when he was here, that offense was 27th in scoring and 25th in yardage. Pretty bad in the red zone, and now it's – the complete opposite, fourth in scoring, second in yardage, and the league's best <laughs> red zone offense. So uh, whatever Matt LaFleur was trying to say, I don't think it went over the way he thought it was, <laughs> it was going to. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, 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 it's probably fair to say that Matt LaFleur, you know, probably created, you know, kind of a base, a foundation uh, for things. But you're, you're right, the, the numbers – uh, we're, we're not especially good for Matt LaFleur and his one year's offensive coordinator here. Now, clearly people must have still recognized that Matt LaFleur was a pretty bright offensive mind, you know, because of what he'd done in LA and, and, uh, you know, some of his ideas, at least in, in Tennessee anyway, cause he certainly found a lot of success in green Bay, but yeah, it was really, you know, Arthur Smith was really the guy who, who took it up. Uh, you know, a huge notch, and and uh, you know those numbers would be even better under Arthur Smith uh, had Ryan Tannehill been starting those first Five six games. or seven games. You know, as as um, uh, as opposed to Marcus Mariota. You know, they tried. I, I think they really, you know, did everything they could to, to make it Marcus Mariota's job, and and uh, you know, kind of bend over backwards for him but boy it was such a drastic change you know night and day when, when Tannehill came in you just wonder how gaudy those numbers might have been that year if he played those extra six or seven games you know John um, so much attention has been given to the talent that the Titans have amassed on the offensive side of the ball but yet folks tend to seemingly discount this team and the only explanation we can come up with is because they were so bad defensively last year. Um, do you feel like they've done enough on defense to take advantage well, of what they've got going on offensively? Yeah, that, that's certainly the uh, the big question. And, and there are 
two, you know, giant question marks on the, on that defense in regards to, you know, Bud Dupree, uh, you know, the, the marquee free agent signing, edge rusher, you know, the guy who they expect to make a, a, a big difference in the, um, in the pass rush game. Uh, you know, he's coming off a torn ACL. He's on the pup list now and just recently. You know, earlier today, the Titans announced that he's also on the COVID-19 reserve list. Um, and, uh, of course, the first-round draft pick, cornerback uh, Caleb Farley, hasn't uh, been spotted yet uh, on the field for practice because he is uh, coming back from uh, from injury uh, himself, two back surgeries. So, you know, I, th- I think we have to get a better sense of when these guys are going to be back and how much impact they'll have early in the season. You know, I, th- I, I think that'll certainly make a difference as to uh, how good a defense this is going to be. And then the secondary in general, you know, there's so many new faces from last year with the Dory Jackson gone, you know, Malcolm Butler gone, Desmond King gone. And you got a lot of youth at, at the corners in addition to an experienced guy in Denoris Jenkins. So I think they made some excellent or, or some, some strong moves. Another one I should mention, you know, Danico Autry coming in on the defensive line. I think they made some strong moves. And, and I think on paper, certainly this defense should be better. That said, it's a pretty low bar from, from last year uh, because this was one very poor defense. But, you know, I, I think if there's one priority uh, above and beyond anything else that this defense is going to be focused on, it's going to be third down. You know, they were just awful in that category last year, gave up over 50% uh, of third down conversions. And I think that is the, the one biggest thing they feel can make a significant difference. You know, if they can just get off the field more often, that, that makes them a whole lot better in terms of, you know, wear and tear in, in terms of uh, obviously, you know, giving opponents more opportunity to score, you know, time possession, a, a whole lot of things. So I, I think that's, that's going to be a real focus as we move along here. As training camp continues, uh, any anything from the rookies that stands out that you can ex- uh, that maybe we can expect some production out of this draft class? I think so. You know, I, I, I uh, obviously as I mentioned, Caleb Farley still a question mark. Uh, Dylan Raiden's the second round pick, uh, the, the right tackle. You know, he. Uh, it's probably still going to be some a transition time for him. You know, he's uh, he's coming in from a, a smaller school at North Dakota State, and you know, I, I would think maybe at the start of camp, you know, maybe he's uh, behind Kendall Lamb a little bit at that right tackle right tackle spot. You know, again, maybe his camp moved along, maybe that changes. But you know, really, the guy that I think may make um, the most immediate impact of, of the rookies is one of the third round picks um, cornerback Elijah Molden uh, and and you know the reason is because he is like a you know a plug and play at a, a needy spot for the uh, for the Titans and that's the nickel corner Elijah Molden played a ton of nickel corner when he was in in college at Washington has really kind of perfected his technique at the spot. Uh, and the Titans are very needy there because, uh, A, Desmond King was their guy last year, no longer with the team. 
you know, and, and the two other guys they had to try to fit in that spot, Christian Fulton and Chris Jackson, both rookies last year, you know, didn't have much of a background as, as kind of a nickel or, or slot corner. And it showed, you know, not surprisingly, because they were A, rookies, and B, had a very little offseason. So I think Eliza Molden, boy, uh, you know, is, is going to be a guy who steps in there right away. And today, I really noticed him, you know, several uh, pass breakups uh, during camp. So he would be the guy that, that immediately jumps to mind in terms of an early impact among this rookie class. I think, I think you're going to see some good things from him. That is encouraging news. John Glennon, Glennon on sports on Twitter at Glennon on, I'm sorry, Glennon sports. Sorry. We had Seco on sports in the last segment. So, and then Glenn on got me a little confused. Glennon sports, Broadway sports, there you go. uh, at Glennon sports on Twitter. John, thanks so much for taking some time today and giving us some insight on the Titans. We, we always, uh, appreciate what you do and, uh, keeping us informed through sure. social media and everywhere else. So thank you, man. Okay. Thank you. Good. That is John Glennon of Broadway sports on Southern middle Tennessee sports today. Former coworker for those of you who can hear us. If you're watching on Facebook or Twitter or our website, you can, we are clearly having some issues both at our tower and with our streams, so we are working to get you. Uh, the, the folks in they are one and the same essentially. So yes, yeah. So, but uh, it, we're working to get you back in Franklin County so that we can at least get our Franklin County football preview done. That being said, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, it's Edward Allen Marlowe. We'll talk Ohio Valley Conference football. That is Sands Jacksonville State, and I bet there are and a lot Eastern. of folks. I bet there are a lot of folks happy about that, including one Murray State. <laughs> but And I missed one earlier, Austin P. Can't believe you let me uh, forget to go P. <laughs> That's you. a you problem. <laughs> oh, we'll talk. Low-hanging fruit, right? <laughs> we'll talk. To, like I said, when I was at Jacksonville and they would chant, let's go P, we would just say, there's the bathroom. Yeah, it was. it is what it was. Edward Allen Marlowe on the other side of the break. Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Barn & Joint. We'll be right back right after this. Stick around. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Keep your home as comfortable as possible. If you have any issues with your air conditioner, electrical, or plumbing systems, call Lee Company. Our techs use visual findings and other technology tools to add transparency and clarity. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on the roof. We're here 24-7, so if you need us, call us. Lee Company, call 931-548-4448 today or schedule your appointment at LeeCompany.com. That's LeeCompany.com.
covering the teams you care about. It's Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Once again, live from the Lee Company studio with the Hall of Famer Mo Patton, here's Chris Yow. Welcome back in to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Approaching the bottom of the hour, hour number two here of the show on this Thursday edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Coming to you from the Lee Company studio in the Front Porch Sports Headquarters, WKOM, 101.7 FM, 94.5 The Eagle. And happy to have you guys along with us on this journey as we continue previewing college football across the country. We have all but covered FBS outside of the Southeastern Conference, which we will do as we will hopefully do it team by team. Now, whether or not that includes Oklahoma or te- and Texas. <laughs> <laughs> now, we already hit them. <laughs> we did. We did. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll do that team by team uh, as, as we approach the season. But we have reached into the Big South, which we will talk about tomorrow. We have reached into other FCS conferences. And today – the FCS conference, which is home to every Tennessee FCS team. No? No. Chattanooga is not. Chattanooga is. Neither is East Tennessee South. State. No, they're both SoCon. ETSU is FCS? Yes. Boy, shows how much they produce. And they're both in the Southern Conference. Gotcha. Yeah. We do have P, Tennessee State, Tech, and. UT Martin, and there is Murray State and Southeast Missouri State, Eastern Illinois. There's one more I'm forgetting that's up there in Illinois. Uh, SIU Edwardsville, but they don't play football. Yeah, there's that. So anyway, we talk Ohio Valley Conference football today with Edward Allen Marlowe. Of WKDZ Radio. Appreciate you joining us, man. Yeah, anytime. I really appreciate the oh. You are very low. I'm, I'm not sure if that's a, an us problem or we can barely hear I, you. I feel like with everything we've got going on, it's, it's probably, probably an, an us, us problem. problem. Yeah. But, um, Here, is this better? Yeah, it, it is. is yeah, that's so much cleaner. All right, yeah. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate you bringing me on. No, we appreciate you coming on with us. Um, Edward, when the when the OVC Media Days took place about a week or so ago, um, I guess I had not been paying as much attention to Ohio Valley Conference football as I thought because Murray State was the preseason number one pick and um, did not really see that coming. Tell me why I should have. Well, so I think the number one thing for me that Murray State – well, one thing that happened that you know, and I know we'll probably talk about later is Jacksonville State and Eastern Kentucky have, have bounced on uh, to, to, to other other ventures, uh, other other exploration. So I think that was a – you know, that, that was a big, big – that lopped the top off of two really good teams at the top of the OVC. But credit to Murray State, number one, Dean Hood is, is – is back after a long, fruitful career, FCS, FBS. He's come back to the OVC, coached at Eastern Kentucky. 
he was the OVC coach of the year last year. Uh, so, you know, obviously his, both he and his staff are back. So there's a lot there that's, you know, really important in keeping that continuity. But speaking of continuity, Murray State returns all 22 starters. And that is a wild thing that doesn't ever happen in college football. <laughs> no, but it, it doesn't. Is, yeah. It is legitimately happening at Murray State, 22 starters. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, guys, a lot of competition uh, coming this fall because they've got a, a great recruiting class and some guys that have been on the roster for a while that will push for snaps. But, um, yeah, it, it's wild when you have 22 starters come back. Um, and, and you went 5-2 and two last year with close losses to Austin P and Jacksonville State. You've got a lot of expectations to meet in 2021 for fall football. Without question, but I mean, your coaching staff sleeps a lot easier, I imagine. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Not only do they sleep easier, but I mean, the crazy thing is, I think this team is just a lot. It's going to be even hungrier after tasting that success. You know that they hadn't won as many games. They had won five straight games in the OVC since 1997. You know, with Houston Nut, and so. You know, when you when you dredge up those kind of memories of, of glory football uh, from Murray State, that that makes guys a lot hungrier. And they, it was a last second drive and loss to Austin P. Uh, last second field goal after tying the game late, so that was kind of a that one hurt. And that's of course a rivalry game, being only about forty miles apart. And then Jacksonville State, of course, the class of the league for the last about decade. You know, that was a mostly competitive game. JSU scores a couple touchdowns late in Murray, and then Murray had a couple of chances late to make it a one- or two-score game and get, get things interesting, and it just didn't come to come to fruition like they had hoped. But you get so close, even in the, in the, in the spring, that, that that's made the fall just that much more important for these guys. So that's, I think that's where the sleep, they're not necessarily comfortable just yet, but you know, I think Coach Hood knows there's a bunch of guys in this locker room that are just really hungry for this type of success. Starting with Preston Rice, I imagine. Oh yeah, no, no, most definitely. I mean, he's, I mean, he's, he's legitimately just grown up in Murray, I and mean, that's the thing. Came in early out of Waynesboro, and and you know, kind of stuck around. Got got to, I believe he graduated from high school a little early. Got to Murray, got to work, waited his turn. Um, and now has just been really, really successful in running this methodical offense. And, and you know, it's funny. I agree with Dean Hood. He said a lot of things in the last year about game managers and how they kind of get the knock for not being, you know, maybe like Patrick Mahomes, 350 yards passing, 50 yards rushing, four touchdowns, maybe one interception. Preston maybe won't give you those numbers week in and week out, but he's not going to turn the football over. Uh, as a matter of fact, last year, uh, Murray State led the uh, – last this last spring, Murray State led the OVC in turnover differential, uh, plus seven, and, and that's in seven games. So that's pretty – when you can go plus one uh, on average per game per, per Sunday, which, of course, this, this fall will be Saturdays again. But when you can do that, that's some really special football. And so I think that's where Preston hangs his hat the most is the fact that he just doesn't turn the football over, which is a – you know, key, key ingredients to football games. Speaking with Edward Allen Marlowe of WKDZ Radio, talking a little OVC football. And as you mentioned, um, Ohio Valley Conference football took place on Sundays this past spring. I played a spring season, as did a lot of FCS programs. And we talked to um, 
Greg Seitz, the AD down at Jacksonville State back in the spring. What concerns are you hearing from coaches, from administrators about, you know, kind of doubling up basically on football in 2021, coming off that spring season and now playing again here in the fall, full contact football? That's a a great question. I think it's – I think you need to look at it from both sides of the spectrum. On one side, you've got football teams that are extremely sharp right now. I fully expect a visceral, cutthroat, competitive conference season, especially with everybody returning to 11 games. They're going to get some non-conference games in. You know, the league to make up for the loss of EKU and JSU are playing some 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 non-conference league games, if that makes any sense. Uh, where Murray State will play a couple of of conference opponents that will not count against conference slate. And so, you know, I think the double-edged sword is, well, you're going to have teams that are extremely sharp coming off of a hot spring, like the Racers, who maybe came away fairly unscathed, uh, didn't have a lot of injuries, didn't have to deal with a lot of concerns, coming in super healthy. Uh, And then you've got some other teams that are probably a little banged up, maybe a couple of ACL injuries or some MCL concerns and, you know, now all of a sudden they've had the summer to work out, uh, but they haven't had time to really get healthy because they've had to jump right back into a regimen uh, of preparing for what what will be an onslaught of football. I mean, like I said, when you when you when you're all playing the OVC, that's great, but most everybody plays a pretty strong non-conference slate. And last year, Austin P, JSU, they took advantage of some non-conference games uh, during the fall, which not many teams did. Um, so when they jumped into, you know, conference play in the spring, they were ready to go. You know, they, they were they were pretty pretty well-oiled machines. JSU just kind of speaks for themselves. And so, you know, I think for the racers, I think it's going to be a boon to, to bounce back and stay hungry. Cause it's right at the back of their mind. Three months ago, they were fighting for an OBC championship. But other teams, you know, I think they probably wanted a little bit more time to ice down, get prepared maybe get healthy. Um, but I say these things, and every team has to deal with injuries across the country. And um, I know that a lot of guys, particularly in Murray, are just ready to play. Um, and so this is kind of a unique opportunity for them. This kind of almost feels like high school, where you have a really strong spring workout, games that counted, um, and then you bounce right into a fall where you're competitive again. So, like I said, uh, with anything else, it can be a double-edged sword. Uh, you know, over the years, before before Jacksonville State became really, I, I guess, a perennial playoff contender, the OVC was pretty much a one-bid league. Seven of the last oh, 11 sure. years, uh, I'm, uh, an OVC team has defeated an FBS opponent. They've also placed multiple teams in the playoffs – seven times in the last 11 years. It Even where this conference stands now without Jacksonville State, you're talking about SEMO, who won this conference a couple of years ago, Austin P. Murray State. Uh, this is a conference that could still potentially have multiple playoff contenders uh, no matter what because it's pretty strong, much stronger than it was, say, when Jacksonville State entered the conference in 2004 or whenever it was. I think that's an excellent observation and one that I would love to 
expand upon. I mean, you're, you're exactly right. You're taking a look at a situation that not only have there been OVC teams that have been just competitive against FBS teams, but they've done well in the playoffs. Um, I mean, Jacksonville State, SEMO uh, are just two of the most recent examples. And you've had NFL talent come out of the league. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo needs no introduction, um, and he's just the most recent uh, in the back of my mind. And there's other guys that have that have jumped into the NFL. Like Quincy Williams, linebacker from the Racers, was drafted in the third round two years ago to the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, and, is, and is now a, a special teamer for those guys down there. So, you know, it's, um, you know, Dominic Rogers Cromartie, you know, was drafted out of Tennessee State. Uh, and, I mean, golly, DRC was incredible. And so, you know, there aren't a ton of names that have come out of the OVC and have had a huge amount of success in the NFL. But there's always a guy or two uh, every year that I think has just got a chance to really do something special uh, at the next level. And so, you know, it's not even just the NFL talent, though. Uh, these teams have not only recruited well within the pool, uh, getting a lot of JUCO, FBS cast-offs, I think is can lead to a lot of success in the OVC. But a lot of it's just consistency. Uh, and teams really like sharpening each other, and uh, it's prepared. Uh, you got to credit Jacksonville State's entry for that, but UT Martin, uh, you know, Jason Simpson's won 90 games as a head coach at UT Martin. Uh, they're one of the more winning programs consistently over the last few years. I know last year was kind of down for them. Tech's had a couple of really interesting years here in the last five. I love what Tennessee – I love Rod Reed, but I'm excited to see what Tennessee State uh, is fixing to do, you know, with Eddie and Hugh. At the helm, um, and 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 Starling at running back. Like it's just, you know, the league's just gotten better from the top, from from the top all the way down to the to the, to the very bottom. Um, the history that Eastern Illinois has, it won't stay at the bottom forever. There's always going to be some special quarterback or head coach that's born out of there that that goes and does the next special thing. So the league itself has just stayed consistent and improved, uh, particularly over this last decade. Who is the sleeper? In this conference, UT Martin, Tennessee State, Tennessee Tech, and Eastern Illinois were picked four, five, six, and seven. Which one of those can uh, maybe play a little spoiler? I would love to think it would be an amazing story if Tennessee State did it. And I know that, you know, I really, in the back of my mind, first of all, I'm a Titans fan, so of course, you know, love Eddie. You know, love what he did for Nashville um, and love what he continues to do for Nashville. I'd like to think that that was just more than just like, let's go get a glitzy pick, uh, you know, a glitzy head coach. I'd love to think that that was a, a cool story for them. Um, and when you've got a guy like Starling and an automatic kicker like Antonio Zita, who bombs it from 60 regularly, those are the types of things that can win you close football games. You take a look at how the racers were so successful in the spring. Their margin of error was relatively small. They were the top offense at 27, 28 points per game, but defensively gave up 23. Played a lot of close games and won a lot of close games, and that's good football. But if you can just turn the defense around a little bit, maybe, at Tennessee State, then all of a sudden I think you'd probably have a problem on your hands for the rest of the league. But look at the preseason picks. I, I don't necessarily think it's – you know, Murray State, it's great for, for them. I know that Dean Hood will have his guys ready, but he, he'll be the first to tell you how competitive this league is going to be this year and moving forward. 
Um, I think it's going to be an absolute dogfight. We haven't even mentioned SEMO and what Coach Tuke is going to have ready for the fall. I mean, they're going to be absolutely incredible, and they're a problem defensively. Uh, and they were picked to almost win the league. They were right there in that number two tie with Austin P. Um, and then, like I said, I'd say you asked the question about the sleeper. I'd say Martin, and not just because they were picked fourth, but Martin, they have a really good tight end, and Rodney Williams, they take care of the football, they're good defensively, and they're good at home. And and so they're going to be really, really furious, frustrated. I was going to use a worse word, but they're, they're going to be really, they're really upset about how their spring went. Um so, you know, especially when it opened with a loss to the racers. So it's one of those situations where Jason's going to have those guys ready to go. He's been there for too long and been too successful to, to finish below 500. So, but I say these things, and I think the OVC is a multi-bed league this year. You can That's my mild take for the day. Write that one down. <laughs> you got you. Uh, Edward Allen Marlowe of WKDZ Radio, thanks for joining us. Tell folks where they can find you on Twitter and elsewhere. Yeah, it's, uh, it's at DreamMarlow85. I'm a news and sports reporter for WKDZ, but I live in Murray. And uh, after 10 years of the newspaper business, I'm, I'm working elsewhere. It's my hometown and still love OVC football. You. So you we, can find me there, and I'll, I'll be there. So. We, we know how that works. And um, continue to success to you on the, on the radio side and everything else you've got going on. Edward Allen, yeah, we appreciate, appreciate your time. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot for reaching out to me, guys. I love the OVC. I'll stand it all day long. Hey, all I'm saying is we can keep having him on if he's just going to keep propping Jacksonville State up like that. So I'm a JSU grad. Yeah, we yeah. didn't tell you that. I, I was going to try to get that in at some point that we needed to kind of no. ease up on the JSU talk. Because, uh, well, <laughs> I'm well, loving it. You guys, you, you guys can call me some other time about it, but I, I think, you know, I, I just don't think it was a surprise to see JSU and EKU leave. And I'll leave you with this. I think uh, – I think the OVC has kept this uh, expansion discussion quiet uh, for good reason. I think they're really investigating uh, where they think they can head uh, to replace EKU and JSU. And I, I, I don't know. Just a kind of a gut hunch. Uh, I think we'll be pleasantly surprised to see who the OVC has coming through those doors to replace those two teams. Might be more than two teams. You never know. Uh, but if it's, uh, if it's two teams, I know that football is a big focus. Uh, I know that, you know, tertiary sports are a big focus. I know that especially basketball, men's and women's basketball will be a really big focus. So really looking forward to seeing what the OVC comes up with uh, for invitations to the league. Perhaps they'll just make Belmont start playing football. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, man. That would be terrific. I'd love to see it. So. Uh, we appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much. We will talk to you again sometime soon, I promise. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, that's Edward Allen Marlowe. WKDZ Radio. When we come back, JP, do we have any uh, update on whether or not they can hear us in Franklin County? Uh, I, I don't know for sure. I do know that the issue we had with the tower is still there. Um, so we are we should push? maybe flying solo on uh, Facebook. Well, if that's the case, we, we're going to preview a high school football team on the other side of the break. We'll decide who that high school football team is in the break because we'll try to get in touch with them and find out if we're on down there. If we are, it'll be Franklin County. If they were not, it probably won't be Franklin County. So stick around. Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint right back after this. Hey, folks. 
While we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Fast Stop Markets is a full-service, family-owned convenience store chain located in 14 locations throughout Middle and West Tennessee. For those in our listing area, you can find them in Columbia, Centerville, Lawrenceburg, Spring Hill, Dixon, and White Bluff. Fast Stop partners with wholesale fuel brands like Shell, Marathon, and Exxon, delivering a consistent customer experience that is fast, friendly, and clean. If it's not already, it will soon become your go-to store to shop in town or on the road. Fast Stop Markets is proud to be keeping you moving in Tennessee. Local sports talk you'll only find here. It's Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Live from the Lee Company studio with the Hall of Famer Mo Patton, here's Chris Yow. Welcome back in to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, the podcast apparently. Because <laughs> it's the only way you're going to find this. The uh, preview of high school sports continues. Can't skip today because we, we, we made this happen. <laughs> we can't skip a day. So if you are listening on the podcast, we are ready to talk a little independence. Independence Eagles football. Head coach Scott Blade. And it's going to be a really interesting year for the Eagles because I'll be honest with you, this team is loaded with talent. And when Scott Blade's got a quarterback, they are dangerous. Yeah, and he feels like he does, you know. Um They've not had to break in a first-year quarterback well, in since year. last year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and we see how that went. Exactly. So you know, and this isn't a guy who's taken time off from playing quarterback, other than just being a backup. Well, he's taken time off from the standpoint that he is a he's a transfer. Joe Cummings came in from Battleground Academy, so he had to sit out last year, which I guess um, this is. Independence making up for losing C.J. Beathard, who transferred from Independence to BGA. So it's a little reversal. But um, what we've seen out of Cummings in seven on seven has been pretty impressive. Big kid, strong arm, and when you've got the guys to throw it to that he has in, say, a River Katina or a Ty Lockwood or or some of those other guys, or when he can turn and hand it to Trey Hartwell makes it a lot easier for a quarterback yeah no doubt this kid has been fantastic to watch over the uh the summer recently visited florida state with ty lockwood if you're if you look at this kid size wise he fits the he looks it he absolutely looks it yeah so um and the sky's the limit for that kid and playing in the offense that he's going to have an opportunity to play in, he's going to have a chance to go on and play at the next level. This is a team that, you know, 
you saw the game. The, that Brentwood Indy game was – I mean, this team – Both those Brentwood Indy games were fantastic high school football games. This team was a Lambert's throwed roll away from <laughs> advancing to the quarterfinals yeah. against the team that eventually went to the state championship game. They were that close. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would dare say that Independence feels like they should have won. Oh, no doubt they game. should have. I mean, you that, that was the absolute unluckiest play in Independence football history. <laughs> unluckiest. <laughs> okay. All right. There's nothing else that immediately comes to mind, so I, I won't – I won't dispute that. But, again, just goes to show you, Independence teams, particularly under Scott Blade, they expect to be in those situations. They expect to come out on top in those situations. And when you have the long-term success that this program has had, that just kind of becomes, like you said, the expectation. And it, it feels really bad to say, I mean – this is a team that, that they, they've been knocked out of the second round of the playoffs three years in a row. The last two against Brentwood. One, a double overtime loss where they fumbled uh, they fumbled an option Absolutely. going into the end zone. Would have, you know, had they scored there, they win the game because they were they had held in, uh, Brentwood to a field goal. They scored a touchdown there, they win the game, and they move on. Last year, the third roll. I mean, it. this team, despite having – lost in the second round of the playoffs each year has been right there on the cusp of the top level of 6A football, even since moving up from 5A. And last year, if they win that game, then they're going to play Franklin in the quarterfinals because Franklin has knocked off Ravenwood across town. Right. A team that they struggle, they have not beaten, and I couldn't tell you when the last time they beat Ravenwood. But, I mean, that's that's kind of the only team that's been their Achilles heel is mm -hmm. that Ravenwood team. Outside of that, I mean, they've beaten Brentwood. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not sure if they beat them in the regular season last year. They did. Year. They've beaten them in the regular season the last two years mm -hmm. and lost in the, cha in, in the, in the, the playoffs. playoffs. So, I mean, that's just – that's the unfortunate situation that they're in, but that's that's where they play. That that's the conference that you play in. The district that the, that they play in is just insane. Now, now, what changes about that region this time around, Region Seven Six A, is that you know you've got a new coach at Franklin, you've got a new coach at Ravenwood, you've got a new coach at Brentwood. Now, the new coach at Ravenwood is the old coach at Ravenwood. Will Hester has come back, but new folks in charge at both Brentwood. And at Franklin, so, and the, you, and you get your cross town rival basically. Yeah, Summit comes up from five A, the just the defending or the reigning five A state champion. So, this region's no picnic, but I mean, Indy's as ready for it as anybody's going to be. I think there's no question. Uh, Independence has not beaten Ravenwood since 2011, and yeah. That that's a that's a shock to me, and with Will Hester on the sideline, it probably doesn't get any easier for Scott Blade. But look for River Katina to be a big name. Brooks Sapone is going to be a big name for this for this team. Obviously, Ty Lockwood, the big the big time tight end, who's a uh, multi star recruit. Uh, Jack Rummel is going to help. Uh, 
River Katina in that defensive backfield, and they are going to be tough to beat. Yeah, so. and it's a schedule that's going to have them ready. Uh, CPA, Lipscomb, Pope John Paul, East Nashville, uh, in addition to their region foes. So Yeah, CPA and Lipscomb just, you know, just CPA and Lipscomb, no big deal. Pope John Paul II hadn't been good in a while. Just kidding. They're always very good. So, it, it look, no stranger to playing tough games is Scott Blades. So, their teams will be ready. We will be ready tomorrow. We hope. <laughs> Coming back at you. Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. We thank you guys for tuning in and sticking with us. Uh, through the podcast and wherever else you have found us today. For Mo Patton, JP Plant. I know that did not just come back up, JP. Look at your other computer. Are you kidding me? Come see us tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel. Have a great day and stay cool, Columbia. Thank you for listening to the Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast brought to you by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. If you'd like to hear us live each and every weekday, tune in from 4 to 6 p.m. on WKOM 101.7 FM in Columbia. Also visit www.sm-tnsports.com for the most comprehensive and timely coverage of high school sports in and around Southern Middle Tennessee. 